Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Here We Go podcast. An episode that tonight, as well as having you know, a, a, an, an indie theme, theme, theme song that we're going to title the podcast as, we're also going to call it Everything You've Been Wanting to Know About European Football But Have Been Afraid to Ask. Now, helping guide me, an idiot, through um, all the permutations and all the things that can go go al- along with it with our European adventure this season. I have Richard. Hey, how are you doing, Richard? Doing well, thank you, Martin. And J- Richard, no, Richard doesn't want to just have to deal with me by himself, obviously. So we've we've got backup as well. We also have, as usual, Martin Ingram. How are you doing, Martin? I'm doing really well, thank you. Looking good, forward good. to crunching the numbers here. We indeed. So, well, as we know, obviously on Saturday. Um, what we expected to happen happened. Celtic uh, won the Scottish Cup, um, doing us a bit of a favour there. Um, so it, it, it assured that we will be in uh, the Europa League playoff, uh, Martin. Um, Draw is going to be Monday, Monday, August the seventh. Um, obviously, the group stage, um, excuse me, the group group stage draw. Whatever happens there is the day after the playoff leg. That's going to be Friday the first September. Um, Firstly, I mean, no, we'll have a wee, a wee informal chat about it. First, firstly, you, you, I mean, we we did we expected Celtic to do the business, so we're obviously happy about that one, aren't we? I'm always rather agnostic about these things because, you know, you can you can you control what you can control as a football club. Aberdeen had done the business as far as what they needed to do, um, got them finished third place, and I'm and I never. It's, it, it probably is entirely just a question of semantics, but I'm never really, I don't really feel comfortable, as, as probably everybody else is, about this idea of you know we need Celtic to win in order for this to happen. I mean, at the end of the day, the the the, the results finish the way we are, and third place either means what it does now, which is guaranteed group stage football, or it or it would have meant entering entering Europe at a, a, an earlier stage, which isn't what we'd have been unused to for several years beforehand. I mean, if that when when the the uh, opportunities for group stage football finishing third didn't apply beforehand. We 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 were well used to having to get through a number of rounds of qualifying to try and get through there, and we know how hard it would it was it, it, it's been given the fact that in seven or eight attempts at trying to get through um, qualification stages, we we never once managed it. So. Um, uh, I was yeah, so it was pretty easy OZ in relation to whether it actually happened or not. But now that it's actually happened, I'm finally willing to just uh, let my hair down and, and, and enjoy the moment. I did have a uh, a very enjoyable Saturday evening when the reality of it dawned in. Um, no, no small thanks to Richard jumping the gun for a moment on Twitter on the Twitter feed, which I was I felt was very fine, fine. I mean, it just it was done. It was done. Cali, Cali goals don't count double as much as you might have, might have wanted them to under normal circumstances. No, it was um, obviously that late Cali goal did have us one, all wondering for a little while. But yeah, by the time the second went in, it was pretty pretty evident they weren't going to score. The score once, absolutely, but score twice, no, it, it just wasn't happening. So, um, But it does show the danger of that kind of social media rush to being first, I suppose. We probably weren't first anyway. I'm sure somebody decided after the first goal went in to, to tweet away merrily. So yeah, so the, the dates we need to be looking out for is uh, Monday, August the 7th. Uh, that's the, going to be the draw for the playoff. And then um, September the September the 1st. Um, uh, Friday the September the 1st is going to be the draw for which, whatever happens in our in our thing. Um, all games are going to be scheduled for Thursdays in both competitions. Um, Richard, you're you're obviously a huge fan of the Thursday-Sunday schedule for Aberdeen. Um, looking forward to some some fr- Thursday evening football, perhaps, are we? Well, let's be clear, that will be a challenge for the club to have to deal with. Um, and we'll maybe talk a little bit later about you know what we think our chances are and what we think we'll need to do squad-wise to be able to, I suppose, not just hopefully compete um, in Europe, but also be able to sustain 
a good challenge domestically as well and that means not slipping up in League Cup early rounds it means certainly doing well in that first half of the season and uh, you know obviously accumulating as many points as we can um, let's not set targets in terms of positions necessarily because a lot of that is out of our hands depending on how other teams do but what we can obviously influences how many points we pick up ourselves and as well as we did finish third last year I think we all recognise that we you know in a typical season we'd we'd want to be accumulating more points but uh, of course I'm thrilled absolutely thrilled um, the the games that were qualifying round games in July August you know, they, they provided some really special moments, some really special memories. Um, you know, anybody that was um, with the Dons and Sociedad, for example, um, it, it would have been a magical couple of days away, obviously completely outclassed on the pitch. Um, but to, to go and win in places like Groningen and Rijeka, they were really, really good results. It's just such a shame they were so far from the business end of the competition that they were virtually meaningless other than, you know, for our own morale and our own um, joy at having been there on, on the night, having witnessed it. So to play games in typical European times of year, because, you know, obviously I grew up being able to go watch European football pitaudry. And I think as well, it's not just the jollies of the away trip, but it is the home games as well. They will be special. And hopefully the club gets the pricing right for those, dependent on which competition we're in and dependent on potentially the, the glamour of the opposition. But I really hope that um, we're able to see three close to full houses as possible at Pitaudry, uh for the group stage games and indeed um, a good crowd for the playoff game, for the home games as well. Because cause they are special. These European nights of Pitaudry are special. So it's not just the idea of being able to go and watch your side in some glamorous European destination, which is always pretty brilliant if you can afford to do that, either for time or for money reasons. But it's it's those home games as well be really special for me. Yeah, Martin, um, a lot of people, though, the, hol the holiday forums will be open in preparation as well. But one of the things I suppose will be quite interesting for us is we'll be able to be, we'll be watching the Dons at Pataudry in Europe and it's going to be freezing because we've got some, you know, we will be playing it in November and December. That'll be, a, that'll be a novelty for a lot of people. It's been it's been a while since we've played that deep, in, deep into the year. Well, I mean, for the some of the, the young Dons fans yeah. that, um, uh, again, we're... We are, we are all of a certain middle age vintage now, so um, we are maybe uh, maybe maybe not quite old enough to really have uh, had formed very good memories of the the Gothenburg greats and, and and what they did at that time. But we're certainly old enough to remember the last uh, foray into group stages in uh, the 2007-2008 competition, and just uh, first of all, again. It was just a lot more, uh, a lot more accessible to be able to reach those stages. We only had, we were as we are now. As it happens, we are we were straight into the playoff round, um, and fortunately, we were able to get a, 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 an incredible away result in Dnipro to set us up to to, to go into those group stages. But um, I know a number of people. There's a number of people that went to to Dnipro, and that must have been a fantastic. Uh, tour for them but for me my, my recollections are I, again I, I think I've said this in the previous podcast I really kicked myself because I couldn't I couldn't get any of my friends convince any of my friends to go along to the Panathinaikos game in Greece but I was at I was at Madrid for the Atletico game uh, and then of course not only did we play group stages football that season we actually qualified from the from the group so we actually made it past past uh, December and into the next year and uh, I was one of Again, what will now be the considered thousands upon thousands of people that were in the Augustiner Bierhalle in, in in Munich for that fantastic tie against Bayern Munich. So, um, yeah, the worst the worst case scenario now is if we don't manage to progress through the playoff, we're into uh, Conference League group stages, and even 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 at that level, um, with the, the kind of teams that you might potentially be competing with, um, we, we obviously know from Hart's experience they managed to draw Fiorentina. So. Um, and then when you look at some of the teams that that, that, that we could potentially be facing, and again, we'll, we'll, we'll speak about that in a bit more detail. Obviously, we don't know. There's still a lot of uncertainty in relation to which specific teams we might end up facing in terms of the playoff round or, or, or going forward. But clearly, by the time by the time you get to 
uh, either set of group stages. And again, if we were to dare to dream, I think I know a lot of people were talking about the guaranteed group stage football being the most exciting part of that. And it, and it obviously is a really exciting part from that. But but the opportunity to get through the playoff round, I mean, you're all, in the group stages, you're you're already, I'm just having a look at the teams that, that we may well be looking at the group stages. But, you know, Liverpool, Atalanta, uh, Roma, Villarreal, I mean, you know, Sporting Lisbon, although we have played them before, obviously. But, you know, chances, chances to, to, for the team to pit their wits against some of the, some of the, Real glamour, glamour teams in Europe, and even even if even if we didn't manage to get Europa League football, I think the Conference League group stages will see some, hopefully, the opportunity of some attractive ties as well. So just thoroughly looking forward to it. Yeah, maybe later in the show, Martin, we can we can do a sort of dream draw scenario for the group stages, given that we know we're going to be in one of those two group stages. Yeah. So yeah. So we, obviously we know the format as well. Playoff is two-legged tie. Extra time and extra time and pens is needed as, as usual. Home and away, six matches in the group stages. No matter what, no matter what um, tournament we're in, obviously top 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 side qualifies um, for the last sixteen in each competition. Um, second in the group for the knockout rounds, and I think third in the Europa League group would see you parachuted into the Conference League knockout rounds. So, um, if we, no, still a chance for still a chance for more football there, even depending on how tough a group you get, Richard. It's not really a, something of a, a concern to know your average punter, but uh, Mr. Cormac will be very happy um, because there is a lot of money that could be made for the club. I mean, I think it starts off at the Europa League. Um, you're starting off at about three and a half million euros, aren't you? Uh, yeah, let's uh, let's actually go through in a bit of detail, a bit of forensic detail. Uh, this might be a bit dry for people, so apologies in advance. <laughs> but um, yes, it's... It, it shouldn't be something that worries us. The club's balance sheet, you know, all that sort sort of stuff is nouveau football bollocks, basically. But this is significant, and it's the reason why we were so upset at the club blowing it last year, and not just blowing it slightly, comprehensively blowing it, because it's on the verge of transformational. To be honest with you, it's um, it, it's around about twenty five, thirty percent of your your annual turnover just for. Um, finishing where we have done and that's before you talk about any success in terms of winning games or you know uh, potentially qualifying for further stages so as a starting fee you're looking at if it's Europa League you're looking at 3.63 million euros and if it's the Europa Conference League 2.94 million euros now, in addition to that, just as starting fees, so without, if you didn't win a single point in the actual games, what you would also be guaranteed is uh, a sum of money based on the coefficient ranking split. Now, this is based, importantly, on the 10-year coefficient number. Um, fans of Bert Cassie's website will understand that uh, most Europa draws are determined by the seeding, uh, which is a five-year coefficient record. But this uh, split of uh, allocation is determined by the 10-year coefficient number. And Aberdeen, as a former winner of a UEFA competition, actually receive a bonus point um, in this. So their current uh, number, I think, is 13 for that. How this works for each of the competitions, each of the three UEFA competitions, obviously there'll just be two of them that we'll be focusing on, but each of the 32 sides that make the group stages of those competitions is ranked based on that 10-year coefficient number. The side in 32nd position in that ranking would receive one share, and that share is worth it's worth 132,000 euros in the Europa League, and forty-four and a half thousand euros in the Conference League. Now the side in thirty-first position receives two shares. The side in thirtieth, three shares, all the way up to the side top of that coefficient, top of that ranking based on the ten-year coefficient number, who receive thirty-two times that initial one hundred and thirty-two thousand, or forty-four thousand five hundred. Now, as a guide, last year, Hearts who just took the uh, Scotland default coefficient, they collected €356,000 in 2022 for their participation in the Conference League. Now, Aberdeen, based on their uh, number last season, would have been slightly more. We'd have received in the order of 
489,500 if they win the Conference League and 528,000 euros in the Europa League. So broadly similar, both of the, both competitions falling around about the half million euro mark for that allocation. But again, as we'll talk about later when we come to the coefficient point inflation, we'll probably see that share fall next season slightly. Um, so there's that that's guaranteed. What else is guaranteed is the share of the TV market pool money. Now this, the TV market pool basically is split into two halves. Now half of it is based on performance progress in the competition. So again, that's not a default. We can determine that ourselves by how well we do. But half of it is really just based on what country you hail from and the size of the uh, TV deals that uh, UEFA negotiate uh, with that country's broadcasters. Now Scotland doesn't have a separate market pool but what it does it receives 10% of the total of the English pool but it should be noted if Scotland has two sides in the group stages of the same competition then the shares for those two teams would be halved so we'd only get 5% of the English total each so say the scenario is that we win the playoff and reach the Europa League but the Huns lose in the Champions League playoffs and also drop down into the champ uh, into the Europa League group stages. Well, we'd we'd have half of both us and the Huns would have half of that TV pool money that we might otherwise have been expecting. Now it's difficult to get full numbers on this for for Scottish sides for for the Conference League in particular, and also really for the Europa League. Partly because we haven't got the full allocation split for 2022-23 from UEFA and in 21-22 obviously the only Scottish side in the group stages of the either Europa League or Conference League were Rangers who made the final and therefore their TV share is greatly distorted by the figure that they would have got from uh, progression so it's really difficult to make a call I think judging by everything I've read it will be round about 2 million euros for the Europa League and 1.5 million euros for the uh, Conference League. So in total, before you even play a game, I think you're broadly looking at something like 6 million euros for Europa League qualification and round about 5 million euros for Conference League qualification. So on top of that, then you've got amount of money for each game you win. Now clearly it's likely to be easier games, easier to win games in the Conference League than it is to win games in the Europa League. Now in the Europa League it's 630,000 euros for winning a game, 210,000 euros for drawing a game. In the Conference League it's not that much of a difference. It's half a million euros for each game you win and 166,000 euros for each draw. So you know, whilst there is about a million euro difference between the Europa League and the Conference League, you know, if you look at Hearts last year with their two wins, they essentially ended up more or less level because realistically they probably wouldn't have won anything based on the results in the Conference League. They probably wouldn't have won a game in the Europa League, but they won two games in the Conference League, which earned them one million euros on top and bridged that gap and took the took the sum up to six million euros so just obviously to say in addition if you win the group or finish second in the group you get extra allocations there's also a split of unallocated cash from drawn games as well which is divided again based on the number of wins that uh, you manage in the group stages so there's a lot of additional money to be made based on your performance but just as a bare minimum you're looking at five million euros which is a big deal and then of course it's four Big games at Pataudry, hopefully decent crowds, decent amount of money coming in for that. So this is all turnover, of course. There will be costs that we need to incur. We know that it can be expensive to charter planes and stuff. It'll be less expensive, to be fair, to charter planes to get across Europe in October, November, December than it was to do so in July. But obviously there's additional costs that'll be needed. We'll speak a little bit later about how there might be additional costs needed for Pataudry, but... But that's where we're at in terms of turnover, in terms of money coming into the club at an absolute minimum, five million euros. But you could, you know, you could go up to um, 
seven, eight million euros without even setting the head of a light too much. Of course, Richard, I'm going to ask you a question that I know isn't a trick question, but uh, when we win the Europa League, how much do we get? <laughs> um, I, I, I believe Rangers took in something in the order of 20 million for reaching the final um, the other year. So um, that's what you could that's what you care is what you could be winning in true Jim Bowen fashion. Again, another target audience reference. <laughs> yeah, yeah, certainly showing our definitely showing our middle age um, on this one. Yeah, De- not one for the young team that one. Um, so anyway, uh, Martin. So uh, potential opponents for the playoff. Um, looking at uh, now only at the moment one of these are definite so um but at the moment we're looking at along the lines of um like a slavia prague olympiakos lugano who are the only team that are um definitely at the moment um but then you've got things like teams like maccabi haifa uh, csk sofia I, I don't want to say them but we know we'll have to mention them. Zalgiris Vilnius, uh, HJK Helsinki, and Flora Tallinn. Uh, now, I say the only one that obviously, though, like I said, is confirmed to that is Lugano. Um, other ones are obviously um, expected based on expected progression from uh, QR3 in the Champions League qualifiers. Um, now, sure, with the, this Europa League playoff, it's about it's about getting through this one and getting the glamour ties, isn't it? It, it it is so. I mean, before before we go into what what we could be facing in terms of the glamour ties going forward, I will I will try and give an explanation in relation to how the draw is going to work. So for those people that are going to be tuning in and, and want to have an idea of what they're what they're encountering, um, the the way it's so um, on the website there's a, a, a tweet that. Uh, uh, has helpfully been posted just to show who the play the potential playoff opponents are. But the way that works is when we're going into the playoff round, um, the draw is going to be split into what are known as priority groups, but I'll probably just refer to them as pots because I think that's what people are more used to when we're thinking of European or international football draws. So we're we're in pot one, just out of interest. I'm, I'm going to give you information that you absolutely don't need to know because none of these teams are, are teams that we're going to play because we're all in the same pot, but we're in priority uh, or pot one, uh, one of six teams along with uh, Ajax of, Am- of Amsterdam from the Netherlands, Lask of Austria. Um, again, I'll be struggling with some pronunciations as well, Martin. Um, Kukuriki of Serbia, uh, Zoria Luhansk of the Ukraine and Union SG in Belgium. So, so, so we are the six priority one teams that will be going into the draw. Um, and there's four priority lists in relation to that, which means because we're priority one, first of all, there's no chance of us being drawn against our priority two team, which have been the, the six losers to come out of the Champions League third qualifying round. So again, not only are we missing out on having to place a side like Ajax, we're also missing out on uh, a group of what could be potentially really, really difficult opponents from priority group two. So, so the way that it then uh, works out after that, um, as you're saying, Lugano of Switzerland are in priority or pot four, together with what will then be the two winners of the third qualifying round. And again, at the moment, we're projecting that as Slavia, Prague and Olympiakos. So that draw will happen first. So a draw will pull out the first three of the pot one teams, and they will be paired off against uh, those three uh, priority or pot four opponents. Once that's done, um, the, the the remaining three pot one teams, if that still includes ourselves, will then be drawn against three out of those five priority three or pot three teams. And they are the, the five winners of the third qualifying round from the champions path. Uh, and so again, on the slide, we're projecting that at the moment is Maccabi Haifa, CSK Sofia, uh, Zalgris Vilnius, uh, HJK Helsinki Flora Tallinn. So those are those are the the type of standard of team that we might well be encountering. So some of those might be challenging. Um, as 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 we know, we you you, you alluded Martin to uh, Zalgiris Vilnius being a, a, a tie that we might not want to remember fondly. But again, it's worth bearing in mind it was a it was a tie that we managed to qualify from. So you know some some of those teams. I think if we were to draw uh, a side like 
Laura Tillin from Estonia, HJK Helsinki from Finland. Um, I think there are there are ties that if we got drawn against those teams, we would likely go in as the favourites to progress from that round. Um, in relation to the, some of the priority four teams, I dare say a Slavia, Prague or Olympiakos, we probably would not be favoured in. But again, there's, you know, they, they would be tough ties, but I don't think there's anything there where we'd say that we just would completely write ourselves out of having any opportunity of um, uh, getting through. So, and, and, and the most important thing of all, again, is this is the first time since really when you're going, you, you know, I say going back to when we last made it into group stages, where we own and or, or group stages of the equivalent of the European League, which would would, would have been the UEFA Cup um, at the, at the time, um, you know, we only have to get through uh, a one two-legged playoff match in order to get into the Europa League group stages. So um, all the opportunity is there. It would really uh, open up the door for some significant revenues for perhaps a significantly higher level of esteemed opponents in, in that regard. But again, as we've already covered, and as people are already well aware, the, the great benefit is not only if we reach the playoff round straight straight off the bat, but even even if we don't manage to get through from that, there there is the the catch all of the, the conference league group stages. But I'd like I'd like to think that we'll be going into the the playoff uh, positions with a, a, at least a realistic chance, and if if not realistic, perhaps a favourable chance against some of the teams that we might be drawing in the in the groups. Richard, um, Aberdeen are definitely going to be fourth seed in Europa League. Most likely to be the same um, in the conference as well. Um, coefficient would have seen them maybe seeded third in the last couple of years, but there's been a bit of a um, bit of um, point inflation going on. Um, so, with therefore, we'll be drawn against. Um, one side from each of the seeding groups, one to three. Uh, now, you 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 shared on the the feed today um, a lovely graphic with some Europa League Europa League pots on it. So, um, let's do a bit of fantasy booking, I suppose, um, and see who see who do who you want. I mean, personally, um, after the you know, as much as a as much of a fun day as out as it was, I don't want an English team. Um, I would quite, I would quite like to get abroad again. Um, as much fun as Burnley was, um, it was a lovely day, but it was in England. I could go, I could go to England any time I want to go. Um, looking, looking through the list, Richard Martin, both of you, um, there's some, so like we mentioned earlier, some lovely, lovely options there. PSV maybe, uh, Lille. Uh, nobody wants to go, go play Karabag, surely. I mean, I don't think anybody would want to go, want to go, go to Azerbaijan for football. Perhaps Antwerp, um, you know, Dynamo Kiev. Obviously, we're not going to be going to Ukraine, so that likely be Poland. Poland's good for a booze up. I think we would enjoy that. Um, but is there is there any that stood out for you? For you, firstly, Richard. Um, the thing is, every tie for me has got brilliant potential. Like if it is England, to be fair. Birmingham's not the best place, but the other options are, you know, you've got you've got Brighton in um, Europa League. You've, you've possibly got West Ham in Europa League. You've got Liverpool in the Europa League. Um, so you know, I think they would all be great because you'd have a huge away support down there. Okay, and um, like obviously, London in particular is big enough that uh, wouldn't you wouldn't necessarily have the same scenario that you had in Madrid or Munich when it felt like Union Street had basically been transplanted. <laughs> transplanted to those cities um so you could still get a feel of being you know watching your side away so I, you know i still think they would have appeal um villa <laughs> so you've got your glamour teams obviously and it would just be amazing to watch the dons line up against juventus potentially in the the conference league roma in uh, the europa league and then you've got the great European cities. You've got Amsterdam, you've got Lisbon, um, you've got, obviously, it's, we've never played aside from France before. It'd be good to, to break that duck. Marseille are an option there. Budapest's an option. Obviously, we could meet Prague in the playoffs. They, for their own reasons, but it would all be tremendous. But, you know, even for me, I've got to say that the, the sort of ties like, you know, you might get a Ludogrets, you might get Sheriff Tiraspol, and again, a lot of these names are not guaranteed. They'd have to come through the qualifiers as well. Those sort of ties, if you go to those away games, they're tremendous because 
there's not going to be quite so many in the way support. It'll probably be a bit of a bit of a trek to get there as well. You're going to have to go trains, planes, and automobiles to get there. It's it's going to feel like a proper European away adventure. I, I've got to say, obviously, I did go to Neat Pro in uh, 2007, and obviously that was really special, mainly because we won. Let's be clear, but it also because it it was a proper journey to get there. You know, flew to Kiev train down to Neat Pro. Um, just, just great fun at every step. No expectation of getting something. The trip made 20 times better because we did. But just the, the sense that it, it wasn't just EasyJet direct from, from Edinburgh Airport direct into Paris or wherever. It You had to put in a bit of effort to get there. And I think with a smaller away support, there's a bit more camaraderie. And this comes across as very elitist and uh, no apologies for that because um, it, it is those trips that will be they'll be sorting out the boys with the big credit card balances from everyone else, I guess. So, yeah, Martin, what are you what are you fancying? Are you are you maybe looking for Liverpool or? Yeah, first of all, I'm in the same boat as Richard, um, almost regardless of who we draw in either the Europa League group stages or the conference league group stages um i'm the same kind of guy that even if we'd been relegated to relegated but if we'd been back playing group stage league cup football i'm the kind of person that really enjoys the opportunity to go away game against brora rangers or whoever so um any anywhere will be exciting and interesting for me and i'm definitely going to be trying my best to get along to as many as them as um, a combination of availability and finances will allow, but in terms of opponents, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's funny that you know I was I was saying just just beforehand about you know if you get into the Europa League group stages, there there, there may well be a a higher esteem of 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 the kind of teams that you might be getting, but if you went down Conference League group stages. Juventus just sitting and crying out there at the top of that list. I mean, um, and, and, and when you think, if you were being really speculative in that regard, oh, um, I saw uh, Lewis Ferguson topped off his, his or, or closed off his season at Bologna with a, a cracking injury time winner for his team. And there's rumours that Juventus might be moving in for him. So could you imagine not only an opportunity to go and see Juventus and Chirin, but potentially Lewis Ferguson's playing in the opposition for that game? That would just be a... A surreal experience, I think, considering where both the club and 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 Lewis Ferguson, when he was with us, where we were a couple of seasons ago, it would just have seemed uh, fanciful to think that we'd have all been in that position. Um, Eintracht Frankfurt as well in the champ. And again, this makes me sound like I want to, to lose the playoff round, but um, I remember a number of years ago being on a stag do for a friend's stag do in in, in Hamburg, and um, he uh, had a rain. Well, not he didn't, but his um, one 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 of his entourage had obviously arranged for us to go and see a game on a Saturday for whatever reason didn't try and get hold of a game at St Pauli but uh, we ended up at Hamburg instead um, so as you can imagine um, not a huge uh, personal affiliation with uh, those at Hamburg and with with uh, any any luck they're continuing to struggle in their uh, promotion relegation playoff game at Stuttgart right now but um, so while while I didn't really care for uh, the Hamburg aspect of that although I did get an opportunity to to, to gloat at our previous success over that club um, did run in the, the team they were playing was Eintracht Frankfurt and the night before and and during the game managed to run in a number of their fans and they really seemed an, an excellent group of guys um, uh, so I think it's for you know we will we will we will share a, a, a common common joy over their most recent European success, obviously. And, uh, um, and yeah, I think obviously for travel arrangements as well, there are direct flights from here to Frankfurt. So um, for, for, for travel options, that would be a really accessible opportunity for everybody as, as, as well. So that, 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 that kind of stood out as well, but coming full circle, coming back, if we do get to Europa league and coming back to what you actually asked me, Martin, I would, I would absolutely love an opportunity to take on Liverpool. Um, and for me, it just comes down to fundamentally, you 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 want to be able to have those experiences against teams which are, you know, re, re, when you go through history, we've had that privilege of playing truly great global sides like Real Madrid and Bayern Munich, um, and Liverpool are right in that same demographic. We we've obviously played them before, but just before, I I mean, I was. Not quite before my time, but I think it was two. Um, but 
you know, I, th I think just to be able to get the opportunity to play them. And I always feel wh whoever the teams are, and we kind of we kind of proved that, you know, back back when we were playing Bayern Munich last time. You who, whoever you get, we might be on for a complete humping at Anfield or wherever else we go to. But I always fancy we have a chance at home against almost anybody that we might draw. Um, that might just be ridiculously naive right now because it's just as likely we would take a six or seven nil scudding. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't underestimate. Just I remember one of the one of the enduring memories I had because I got in. I was one of the games that I rarely got in really early just to make sure I was in the stands and could really soak up the atmosphere. And I just remembered the bemusement on the faces of world class footballers like. Miroslav Klose and Lukas Podolski and Luka Tony thinking, where the hell are we? How have we ended up here? Um, <laughs> I think there's real opportunities at Pataudry against almost anybody on that list to, to, to really make an impact. So although we're talking about who who might want to play in terms of, you know, attractive away trips and, and, and the likes of that, I, I'm also thinking about who would be a historic scalp for us to grab that we could really so regardless of what happened in the rest of the tournament and what went forward getting a result against one of these teams at Petaudry is absolutely possible and it would just be amazing if it were to happen I, I would like to share that optimism <laughs> you'll be so unsurprised to learn that I'm not quite so I, I, I just think Hearts would have been thinking the same thing ahead of last year's draw and they, I took, think they took four off both um, Fiorentina and was it Bakishir that they also had in the group, a team from Turkey anyway. Um, they, they got absolutely humiliated both times at, at Tancastle in those two big games. Um, we're probably not going to have the benefit of uh, playing a fourth side, a fourth seeded team like they did to pick up some easy points. It has often, you know, a lot of people are kind of saying, "Oh, you know, would you would you rather go in the Conference League rather than the Europa League because it's going to be easier to pick up points?" And not, you know, if we get a lucky draw, then yes, it might be. You know, if you end up with you know, potentially a Flora Tallinn or, or set to be seeded third again, this is all based on exp expected progression and it how it actually turns out will look entirely different. If you get a favourable draw, yeah, you could definitely pick up points. But I, I, I do want to test ourselves up against the best. And I do think that's going to be the way, ultimately, for the, for this team to improve in the longer run, even if it might be painful in the short term. Again, I also look, think back to that Carabag second leg in particular. You know, everyone is full of hope and optimism about that. Just a one-goal deficit to try and claw back for the home game. And we were outclassed in the night. And too many of our support thought that, oh, they're from Azerbaijan, we'll roll them over. Too many of our support were totally naive about their pedigree, their ability to get through the qualifying rounds, uh, and just how polished the side, how polished that can make you as a European side. And that's really, I think, what we've got to kind of aim for, is consistent qualification for these rounds and get used to this environment so that uh, it becomes natural for us to, to play at this level. Now, Richard, we've also got um, some homegrown player requirements that are going to be applying to the, applying to the squad as well. Um, ahead of each round, the club's required to submit two, two player lists to UEFA, um, list A and list B. So do you want to give us a wee outline of that, please? Yeah, th this won't be unfamiliar because we had to do this for the qualifying rounds that we've played um, in the past decade as well. So this is it, it's exactly the same as it's always been, to be honest with you. Um, so yeah, so there's a list A and there's a list B. Now list A is limited to 25 players and uh, for in this 25 it should include 8 homegrown players, 4 of which should be club trained. So considered homegrown, the player should have been with SFA registered clubs for 3 complete seasons between the ages of 15 and 21. And obviously to be club trained, they need to have spent that time with AFC. If the club can't fill those eight spots, then the number of players allowed on list day is reduced accordingly. So right now, as it stands, and I'm adding Graham Shinney to this, you've got Shinney, Devlin, Jack McKenzie, who are homegrown. So that would mean that we'd be able to three spots plus the 17 other spots so you'd be able to put 20 on that list now you've got players who are also in the squad such as Connor Barron, Alfie Barrett and Ryan Duncan they could be added to that list to bring us up to six and bring us up to 23 as it stands however as they're under 21 and club trained they can be registered on the B list 
which obviously frees up potential space on the A list if you want. So that B list is exclusively for club trained players who are 21 and under. So, so that's how that works. So it's not as if we're going to be desperately struggling for players, but it will be something the club considers, I think, at, as we move forward. I think I did see a, a, a sort of Scott Bet, Scott Burns penned report in the in the record this week about how it's going to be the focus of our summer signings. I don't think it necessarily needs to be, but it is definitely something that needs to be kept at the at the back of our minds because you don't really want to go forward with just 17 senior players who are eligible for for Europe. So um, so yeah, so that's how that works. Not new to us. It's exactly the same as it's been in the qualifying rounds for the past past few years. And uh, Martin, we'll come to you now. I mean, a, a phrase that no, I've certainly used on on Twitter under this podcast before is "fuck the coefficient," uh, because usually, usually it doesn't doesn't really affect us. But um, obviously, there's no this time. No club points are allocated for the playoff match, um, but AFC would be guaranteed a minimum of three coefficient points uh, in the Europa League group stage and two and a half in the Europa Conference League. Now, as much as I am obviously. You know, saying that about fuck the fuck the coefficient, it does matter, doesn't it? It matters in in so far as we are actually in a position where we can kind of, you know, dictate our own future in in these competitions. And I, and I like what Richard was saying about um, part of what we what what you want to be able to do from this is by. And again, we've, we've, we've had the benefit of this from a number of years ago. I mean, outside of Celtic and Rangers, Aberdeen's the only other team um, that doesn't have to rely on the Scottish, the, the standard Scottish country coefficient for their seeding. We actually are rated above our national coefficient, and that's due to results that we have managed to get in previous European competitions. So um, there is an element of now that we've secured the opportunity to you know, play the playoff game plus whatever number of group stages. So there, there, there are eight matches immediately where, um, or, or rather six matches, because again the playoffs won't be won't matter. But there's there's six games there where we, you know if we can get results of any kind, they will incrementally move move our rating further up 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 the list. Now, um, I think when you're talking about the number of points that might would be required for us to get significant. Um, uh, seeding ranking uh, impacts for you know the following European season. I think you know you, you're going to have to start racking up some major major points. But if you continually keep getting yourselves in group stage football and and accumulating those you know maybe those few points becomes another few points in following seasons. You can't you can then start building building up that coefficient ranking for yourself rather than having to rely on the likes of Celtic and Rangers are doing doing well themselves in order to boost your own coefficient ranking up. So, um, one of the things that we were uh, talking about um, before before we joined, uh, before we started the podcast, was going back to that original aspiration that uh, Dave Cormack cited when he first became chairman. This idea of us being a, a top one hundred club in, in in Europe. So there's the there's the coefficient aspect of that. And again, Richard will correct me. Um, if I'm wrong here, but I think I remember I think I remember him saying that we would need to accumulate something in the region of 12 points um, from this competition to realistically get ourselves in a situation where we would be threatening the top 100 places on the on the club coefficient list. There's a, there's another way of thinking about it as well. If we are going to be in the group stages of European competition, there are only three sets of, I say only three, but there's three European competitions. Each of those group stages represents 32 teams. So only only 96 teams in Europe play group stage football through to, to December. And this season, we're one of those 96 teams. So it's... it's so you think it's Dave not, can tick it off now, basically, is what you're saying? I don't want to be doing their marketing for them. But <laughs> I think, the, but the one thing is... If you want to look at it in an objective term of what success might look at, if you're one of the last 96 teams in European football competition, then for me that's 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 a success. But for me, this the the, the key that you touched on as well. It's not just about accumulating those points so that you can fare farewell next time round. The main reason that obviously I'm delighted that we're going to be getting group stage football this season just for that that benefit. But you talked about that kind of almost, um, you know 
defining amount of money in terms of what that might mean for us going further. I think it was as important that we made, that we finished third so that Hearts didn't get that opportunity for a second successive season. And then extrapolating that forward, the important thing for us is to build upon that and make sure we're the team that's getting into these group stages season upon season upon season. Because if you can repeat that, then you're getting the same benefit the following season, which then manages to bring in the income which which you hopefully can generate as a consequence of that, which means strengthening the, 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 the pool of money that you can divert towards player resources, make the squad stronger. And if you can keep yourself in that position, it can become a real virtual cycle. And we're, we're talking about it in terms of, you know, what is really the kind of, chump change of Europa League and, and, and champion and, and uh, conference league. Um, you can see over the past 10, 20 years just how, and, and again, for better or for worse, because I wouldn't necessarily argue this is a good thing, but you can see how a number of major European leagues now are effectively monopolized by the teams that have managed to get in early in, in Champions League or European competition get that early amounts of money and then it just puts you in such a stronger position with regards to your competitors that you know i think there, there's a there's a real opportunity for us to build on this so i know we're you know we're probably i'm probably kind of running before i can walk here in relation to that let's just enjoy our our, our season back in european football but i think we do need to recognize if the aspiration is top 100 club um in europe we we are in 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 one way, we are there already and have an opportunity to build in a way that that suddenly becomes a much more realistic target than what it probably could have been when we were looking about that four or five years ago. <clears throat> the other aspect as well as the individual club coefficient, I think it's worth pointing out, is you've got the national coefficient. Now, this is, as much as we do like to say, as Martin said, fuck the coefficient, it, this is why we're here now and not having to troll through about 74 qualifying games to reach the group stages. This is why we have automatic group football and sadly, you know, we haven't really contributed that much in the way of getting us to this point. So we've spoken about how for the club coefficient, you know, we're going to be at a minimum of uh, a minimum of two and a half points that we that we're going to pick up next season. Hopefully more than that if we pick up some wins. But for the national coefficient, how it works is... A win, or a win in each match of the playoffs contributes one point. A draw contributes half a point. So, say you go through the playoffs, you win one leg and you draw the other. That's one point five points added to the national total. Well, in the group stages, for either competition, <coughs> excuse me, it is two points per win, one point per draw. So, whatever. Aberdeen accumulate is added to a national total in addition to whatever Hearts, Hebs, the Rangers, Celtic and then that's divided by a number of clubs that the country's got competing. So for Scotland this season that's five and that's how you end up with your coefficient at the end of the year and then just to square that off it's a five-year cycle that UEFA use to determine your nation's place on the list and therefore your access to various competitions. Before we move along, we did we did um, ask on Twitter for some some questions, and I think I think we've covered most of them, Richard and Martin. But there was obviously there was obviously some a few wa- wags have chucked in some some funny snide ones. So we're going to go with that. I mean, firstly, I will just answer and say to you know because it did come up a lot. Um, the 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 Conference League final is on Wednesday, May twenty ninth, twenty twenty four, and the Europa League final. Um, is in the twenty second of May twenty twenty four. So that that answers about twenty of the questions we got. And it's Dublin and Frankfurt, I believe. It's Dublin and it's Dublin and it is indeed Frankfurt. Yes. So you know, I mean, it's a lovely a couple, a couple of lovely places there. Um, wh- Richard's well, already booked his tickets for Dublin. He's he's ready to go. Yeah, uh, Martin. One of the questions we had was um, someone asking, "Will I be able to get away tickets with a measly four hundred and fifty loyalty points?" How, how much are you sitting? At? You're a top red. You must be on way more than that, are you? Martin's pushing to get uh, loyalty points for going under the eighteen games and uh, the AFC <laughs> women's games. If if that ever happens, he's absolutely sorted. Yeah, for me, that's true. Loyalty is actually going going and seeing the women, going and seeing the youngins, the the, the real games that. Few, few players are, are coming along to do. Um, I'll I'll worry about the loyalty points when we get to it. To be to be fair, I, I, I've kind of I've kind of gone on the basis as well that um, if 
if if people out there have managed to accumulate the kind of numbers of loyalty points that will entitle you to uh, no questions asked access to the way game it's probably because you've been contributing quite significantly both in terms of time and money to the dawn so i'm not going to begrudge anybody the 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 opportunity to uh get the benefit of that i still i still my, my, my main moan though is i still i still always be upset by just how little my shareholding is worth in these regards i thought i thought i just remember when i got shares and i thought i've, I've made it I'll, I'll never have to worry about getting a, a european away game ever again but such is my I'm just going to re- reiterate the point, though, that if you know when the group stages are drawn, whichever competition that may be, and the list comes out, and you know, say it turns out that the maybe the dates for the glamour away tie doesn't don't work, or you know that that's going to be in a stadium with small allocation, seriously, just look to go to one of the less glamorous ones. You'll still have a brilliant time because you'll be away following the dawns in Europe with your mates drinking beer in the European, well not sun, but um, but possibly sun, but, but probably snow and ice by the time we get to December, you'll still have a great time. So um, yeah, that's the, the, the point I would like to make around that. One uh, other one we had, Richard, was um, who do you reckon will beat in the final? And more importantly, who will we play in the Super Cup the season after? <laughs> Um, yeah, I'm very disappointed that UEFA don't actually give you an uh, give us another bonus point for winning the Super Cup. I think that's deeply unfair, and I'll be writing a strongly worded letter. I think that's fair. Um, and one one final one we had was um, looking at the coefficients of potential prize money. Um, which Scottish football club will sell the most season tickets? <laughs> Um, I, 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 I know that, that that certain club certainly will be pretty low on the list of uh, teams that manage to sell tickets for European uh, group stage matches. So, um, yes, let let, let, mean, let them continue with their obsession with their uh, we'll, their we'll allow narrow... we'll allow the uh, we'll allow the Gorgi Golf correspondent to deal with that sort of nonsense, and we'll just concentrate on the group stage football, won't we? I can't remember where I saw it, but I saw there was again. There's been quite a lot of. Uh, uh, repartee on Twitter between Hearts and Aberdeen fans in recent times, but I saw someone that was actually having a. I I, I assume it wasn't meant in in this way, but um, again there was discussions over uh, Hearts's honours list, and I think the Hearts fan responded, "Well, at least we won the tenant sixes," to which the guy actually went, "Well, actually we actually won the tenant sixes as well, and we beat you in the final for one of them." So, <laughs> so even, even trying to argue these petty little tin pot trophies that we've actually won as many of. I don't think we were ever Texaco Cup finalists to be fair. Well, you've, you, should, you, should, you, should, you, should, you should be batting for the heart support here. I think you're doing a, a better job to defend them than they are themselves. <laughs> right. So we mentioned that, we mentioned earlier on um, about some of the some of the stadium requirements that would come in, Richard. Um, now, now you, you popped a tweet out on the feed earlier on. Now, I think that now that was clearly you um, setting up, setting up an easy six runs for this one. Uh, mentioning about obviously a couple of seasons ago, well maybe a couple of a few seasons ago, we were told that we might have to play the games in Dundee or Edinburgh, um, based on um, some of the some of the, the state of the stadium, basically. So um, yeah, the stadium has to be a certain category for the matches, doesn't it? Yeah, essentially, the stadium needs to be category three for qualifiers stroke playoffs um so uh, anything up until the group stage then for the group stage it needs to be a category four stadium now the categories and the difference between them are outlined in a very sexy uefa document uh, called the uefa stadium infrastructure regulations um the current version of this is uh from 2018 now for some of the requirements, we're simply going to be unable to meet. So the size of the playing pitch um, is one which we we simply can't meet in the current ground. But things like that will be accepted under a grandfather clause. Um, of course, you'll know that Pitodri has already hosted uh, a playoff round match two seasons ago and obviously got dispensation to to do that for uh, to be a Category 3 ground. Um, it's also worth pointing out that other clubs, some really big clubs, you know, Chelsea, Liverpool, these they've also got pitches that don't meet the Category Four requirements. Um, so uh, there's going to be a mixture, I'd imagine, of dispensations that 
may have been given for a one-off playoff match like we had the other year, but probably wouldn't be granted for the group stages. It's, I would think it's likely that the club will have to spend a bit in and around the ground and a distinct possibility that maybe some season ticket holders will have to be moved around for the European group stage games. Um, for example, I, I would think maybe the first few rows closest to the pitch and the south stand in particular might need to move, maybe in the main stand too. Um, there will also need to be definitely increased areas set aside for bigger media presence, bigger media areas, again, based on the, the numbers that uh, UEFA dictate in that infrastructure regulations guide. So it's impossible to know exactly what we'll be told to do and what we'll be told to spend. I think there have been improvements along the way. Um, you might remember that the club, I think back in December, announced that they had upgraded the flood lighting to make sure it met UEFA requirements. So, so there's no need to spend any extra money this summer on that. But there will be things they'll need to do. I think Hearts ended up claiming that they spent um, around about £1 million getting Tynecastle up to scratch, um, which is interesting. But, you know, it, that could end up being a, a sort of catch-all way for work that was needing done anyway that close season because there's always going to be ground um, works needing done in any close season so so there will definitely have to be some changes made bottom line is there's no danger that the whole matches will be played anywhere else other than Pataudry like, like I said you mentioned you mentioned it on Twitter obviously it was a bit of a it was it was a bit of a, a, a gag and we, we, we didn't really catch anybody with it though did we <laughs> Oh, it's not. It wasn't a gag, man. I'm still fucking irate that they came out with that total bullshit. And uh, not only that, but some some incredible happy clappers who were very much all for Aurora um, swallowed it up, hook, line, and sinker. Uh, it's just an unbelievable piece of total bullshit for the club to come out with. Well, look, this isn't the podcast for getting angry because we've got so much to look forward to, haven't we, Martin? Oh, absolutely. Um, bringing it back full circle this is this is where we want to be on the cusp of european football through to december it will be um an interesting challenge for for barry robson as well because again we were talking before we actually secured qualification about what it might mean for um upgrading the the the, the plans for players that we might have been able to retain the likes of uh I mean, again, I think we'll, we're expecting Graeme Shinney back, but to be able to retain uh, or maybe even buy a Leighton Clarkson or uh, bring 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 in a kind of a that kind of similar caliber of player in order to uh, be able to bolster the squad. I, I'm actually quite a fan of how, keeping 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 a tight squad, and it's interesting when we talk about you know who what players we may or may or may not have available for our group day squads. Um, I think sometimes we put a little bit too much emphasis on. 25 man squads i think it's meaningful when you're man city or man united in, in in major competitions but i'm looking through some of the players that were listed in the 2007 2008 campaign um derek Suter, david buss jamie and daniel smith um you know i mean you know grand that they were listed at the time but I don't think anyone was sweating too much over whether they're going to be needed for for European competition um so for me I I hope it gives us an opportunity to maybe not necessarily expand the squad for the sake of expanding the squad but again maybe we'll focus in on getting three or four really really significant pieces players that could really be attracted to come to a club that's now looking to cement their place in third place present hopefully a more meaningful challenge to Celtic and Rangers above us next season and and to enjoy in the same way as we are going to um the opportunity of uh the Dons pitting their wits against hopefully some of the some of the bigger and better names in European football and um again for me it could just be the stepping stone for you know, a, a period of sustained success, and that's what I, 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 I'm looking forward to. Not just, not just the thrill of a of a European run. I mean, we we all enjoyed that 2007, 2008 run, but what preceded that was, you know, um, 15 years of not reaching the same heights again, knocking on the door several times, particularly under the McInnes years, but never really getting back to that. Um, I'm I'm really hoping this is the beginning of a 
sustained period of, of success for Scotland at that level. And I mean, you know, or, or for Aberdeen at that level. And I mean, obviously what success looks like might be very different for us and what it may be for some other clubs, but regular regular involvement in the European group stages and, and, and the possibility of uh, the odd foray into the into the new year is, is, is not unrealistic in my opinion. So bring it on. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting chat about, about the squad depth. I think we realise that to try and compete successfully uh, on both fronts and still be challenging domestically in the light of having to play eight times Thursday, Sunday, Thursday, Sunday, then that is going to put a drain on the squad. And I think we'll do well to, to be to be up there and and with the, the sort of points tally we, we would be expecting to have in the league by by the end of December because I think it will be a bit of a shock to the club just how much it's going to take out of you if you are say you go down to Anfield on a Thursday night and you've got like 12% possession and you're having to having to chase after the ball for 98 minutes but looking back to that 2007-8 season is actually fairly instructive because it, it's the value of your your fringe players, the value of your lesser lights, the, the guys that maybe don't uh, get well remembered from that period, who, who had big parts to play during the course of those games. I'm, I'm thinking about Lee Mayer coming on in the second half in Nipro and um, and playing manfully at the back to uh, to restrict the home side. Um, Derek Young played in a lot of those games. In the back lane for the Copenhagen game, one of our most brilliant performances in Europe ever, you've got Richie Byrne and you've got Xander Diamond and you've got a very young Andy Considine as well. Um, you've got Ricky Foster coming on and scoring the fourth fourth goal that day. Chris Clark was an ever-present during the, the course of those games. So um, just whilst we do need to build the squad up even for the rigours of a domestic season, given the number of players that are leaving at the end of the season and the reliance on loans. And I have to say that I think we will still have a sizable number of loan players next season and probably for every season afterwards because that is the way that football is now with the larger clubs hoarding players that... um, and for, for our level, we're not looking to the large, large clubs. We're looking to, to the level below that. And yet they're still hoarding players that they don't have space for and can't give game time to. So ultimately, we will be using the loan market next season, the season after the season after that. But if we're able to build, if we're able to bring in guys, if, a lot, you know, if we can sign a Leighton Clarkson for three quarters of a million, that looks like a no-brainer to me that you can then flip them on even after another season for for profit because again that's got to be part of the club's player trading model um but what we all want as Aberdeen fans it's not about improving the balance sheet year on year which obviously is what qualification for Europe uh, European group stages would do every year but we want to improve as a team and the way we're going to do that as I said earlier is about playing these teams it's about getting back to this stage repeatedly and regularly and the players getting exposure to that and improving as a result of that. It's uh, I, I do worry that the first year it will be a culture shock and I think we'll do really, really well to uh, to finish third again next season. I certainly think it's going to need a lot more points than the tally that was able to secure it this year, that's for sure. Um, so that in itself is going to be a challenge. I don't think we can become complacent. I, I really think that's largely what undid Hearts this season, that they became complacent. I think that Andrew McKinley interview is just at the, the absolute heart of that. Um, it's about a club who felt that it's happened once, it's going to happen every year. Absolutely not. It's going to have to be worked for. And next season could be fairly chastening in Europe. That's that's my fear, that it could be, you know, we did have a laugh when Hearts took those poundings. That could be us next season. Or it, we, it could be magical. You know, we could, as Martin says, we could be really competitive at home. We could go and sneak a famous away victory. It could be brilliant. It could be fantastic. But equally, it might be a very, very steep learning curve for this team. So bring it on to whatever it's going to be. Um, from my perspective, how my 
main worry is how I'm going to fit four away trips into seven remaining leave days. So any suggestions are, are welcome. Uh, that's another reason why I don't mind getting an English team because it would cut down on the <laughs> the possibility of having uh, of taking extra days off there. Um, I might be doing some working from home days actually in these European cities <laughs> if it comes to that. So uh, we'll see how we manage that one, and I'll keep you updated as we go along. Looking forward to it. Now, before we finish, also Richard, just Richard, obviously, we've mentioned the 2007-8 season. Um, because we're not going to be starting back in the middle of June for some football, um, we have a we're going to have a special podcast coming um, over the next within the next few weeks, um, going over that 2007-2008 season, which um, you know it's been it's been a have a labour of love for you, Richard, putting that together. It's only been six years in the making, Martin. <laughs> only been six years. It's it's no, it's almost as old as this actual podcast. Some of the interviews, um, but you know, we're looking forward to I'm looking forward to um, bringing that to you as well. Um, so that's been our podcast for this evening. Just want to thank Richard as always. Thank you very much, Richard. Uh, been a been very insightful for even for me, an idiot like me. <laughs> Cheers, Martin. Cheers, and thank you very much, Martin. Thanks again. Always a pleasure. No problem. And we'll be back. Like I said, we'll be back. We'll have a, we'll have that special podcast for you um, over the summer. If there's any big news, I'm sure we will we'll have something. We may be on Twitter Spaces, or we may even dust off the debrief. You never know. And that's a threat for more than anything, really. Uh, but until then, we've got an exci- a lot of excitement to look forward. So until then, come on, you Reds. Mm-hmm.